Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Goal Mile, proudly supported by AIB. Register at goalmile.org to make a difference. The Shannon Estuary could be Ireland's prime location for offshore renewable energy and a key transport hub. And that's according to an interim report by the government's Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force. It proposes significant investment in the ports at Foynes and also Money Point and, of course, all part of the uh, Limerick Shannon uh, ports here in the city and out to Foynes uh, as well. And the chair of this task force, Barry O'Sullivan, joins me in the studio this morning. Uh, you're welcome. Good morning to you. So you, you've been working hard over the last few months, Barry. Um, we have, Joel, and thanks for the opportunity to come in and good morning to your listeners. Um, happy Christmas to all. The, um, yes, we have. We have a task force of about 12 people appointed by the Minister. Um, and we've been working on this now since May. We've well over two, two and a half thousand hours spent on it so far and engaged with a whole range of stakeholders, be it government, industry and local communities. What was the big thing that you have learned so far that has surprised you or you, you, you wouldn't have been aware of going into it? I mean, I know you know the local economy well. I suppose the biggest thing is the potential for the future. right? So we're an economic task force, right? So the first thing, I suppose, is hold on to what you have. Right? We've made a lot of gains in the last you know, number of years in Limerick and the surrounding areas, unemployment is down, you know, and so on, right? Massive investments by, you know, Lily and others. Um, so first focus was hold on to what we have, what do we need to do now over the next, you know, five, seven years to hold that? And then how do we build on that? I suppose my eyes were opened by the potential, um, as you mentioned there, on, on, on offshore wind, right? And that we can be an energy, um, you know, a key energy uh, supplier to Europe now. Right, and we want to be more than just an energy supplier. We want to be, we want to generate that energy and build all the, you know, the infrastructure, the wind turbines, and everything to do that, right? But we want to bring the energy onshore, and we want to then attract industries and build industries around that supply of clean energy. And the potential there is what opened my eyes, to be honest with you, when I, you know, started talking to all of the people that know what they're talking about here. Right, and, and I'll come in, in uh, back to that in a moment, but in terms too of the transportation issues, you know, the yes. connecting up to the motorway system that we've heard about as well, you see that as key? Oh, absolutely, right. If you look at um, take transport and even the Climate Action Plan, right, there's a target to reduce our CO2 emissions by 50%. But you drive to Dublin today and you see all the containers and the trucks come down from, from, from Dublin to Limerick, right? 80% of all of the container traffic into Ireland comes through, comes through Dublin port. Um, the, um, we could bring a lot of that in through fines, right? We bring some through Cork at the moment, but we could bring a lot of that through fines and we could take that then by rail to Dublin, right? And that would massively reduce the amount of, you know, carbon emissions and, and pollution and all of that in the country, Right, warehousing and all of that, all that could be built in this area and not have it in Dublin Port, and you could then build houses in those areas in Dublin and relieve relieve the pressure there. Mm. Right. So, and, and not just rail, but road too. R- oh yeah, ro- rail and road. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is, I mean, the talk over two decades that I can remember um, is uh, of uh, the balanced economic regional development, yes. trying to take pressure off Dublin and the surrounding area. So so this is part of that thought process. Absolutely, right. If you 
I suppose if you look at the history of Ireland, even right back for centuries now, people have from from the West have em- either emigrated or they've migrated to Dublin. And right now, today, immigration thankfully has, has reduced significantly. And it's you know it's voluntary immigration now, but people are still migrating to Dublin because that's where the jobs are, that's where the careers are, and so on, right? Or they they see more potential there, right? Um, very few people move from east to west because they don't see the potential, the careers, and so on, right? Um, now with with a, a clean energy supply, you know, from twenty thirty onwards, now we can offer that. Right, and now we can rebalance, and we think the Shannon Estuary is the key to unlock that for the whole access, really, from Malintimism. So you believe that the flood that we have seen from Dublin to the Midwest region, with remote working being allowed, that that could be, be increased significantly in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're chatting to Barry O'Sullivan, who is chair of the Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force. Now, go back to me on renewable um, uh, energy, Mm -hmm. because when we talk about this on the show, it kind of has a tendency to feel a bit pie in the sky for listeners. You know, and maybe it's because it's hard to visualise. And when they hear things like what oil is to Saudi Arabia, this could be to the Shannon region. They think to themselves, really? Yeah, well, I think we need to look at this in terms of short term and long term, right? So short term, like I said at the outset, right, we have to hold on to what we have, right? And today we'll say, if you look at our region, we have a very strong agricultural base and then we have a lot of industries, we'll say, that make various goods. Okay? But it's 90 something percent export, right? They have challenges today around cost, right? They have challenges today around that our customers are looking for a um, carbon footprint reduction and this, the climate action plan that the government have looking for the same. First thing is uh, when we talk about energy, we've got to help those people and set it, right? So that's one piece we're looking at and biomethane we believe is the answer there, right? And we have, we're setting up some um, some work on that now, meetings, meetings this week with the government and meetings next week with industry. Longer term, we, we, longer term then it's about the offshore wind, right? Because the technology is only becoming available now. It wasn't available two or three years ago, right? And it um, and it'll take time for that, you know, d- to become mainstream, right? What so we this have is to do, wind, not tidal. This is wind now, right? This is floating offshore wind. So when you look at photos today of uh, you know uh, offshore wind, those wind turbines are actually driven into the seabed, right? It's like a pole driven into the seabed, right? Because the water is actually shallow on those points. They're on sandbanks. What we're talking about is floating offshore wind, which is well out into, into the Atlantic over the horizon, right? But the advantage of so there... So it can't be seen from the shore. Can't be seen from the so, shore, no. Because one of the things that would occur to somebody is, uh, will planning take forever? Planning will take time because there's still quite a lot of work to be done around, we'll say, the infrastructure needed to supply that system. And when you bring the energy onshore, right, so there's foreshore licensing, there's environmental impact assessments, and all of that needs to be done properly. And all of that will take time. So does that mean it's a decade away? The practicalities here is that the earliest we're talking about is probably 2028, 2029, right? But that means starting now, right? That means, you know, a lot of work has to be done, right? we'll say, before the shovels can hit the ground, right? Um, like those environmental in- impact assessments and so on, right? One of the asks we've had, uh, we had a meeting with the Thonister yesterday, one of the asks we have is to bring forward, we'll say, the government's um, schedule for offshore wind and bring Atlantic offshore wind earlier into the sequence, Right. Because we want, we, you know, we believe we need to move now and get 
uh, get interest from overseas uh, investors. Is it your view that there is overwhelming support from the government because we have climate change targets to meet? Absolutely, right. I, th- I think now, like we've had extensive discussions, right, at every level, all the way up to uh, Minister Ryan and, and Minister Varadkar. Um, I think the, the, the government system now understand, one, that the technology is now becoming real, right? And that we can also not just meet our climate action targets, but we can create a significant export opportunity, right? Um, and I think that's the real big prize here, that we can now, you know, attract industries that we possibly couldn't have done before. Now, we know from our history that in the 20s, this region became a huge generator of electricity for Ireland. Yes. What is the potential here for the Shannon region in terms of producing electricity for this country and beyond? The um, youth and um, Gillian talked earlier about the, the electricity demand at the moment was a peak demand at the moment is about seven gigawatts, right? Um, the um, There's comfortably 70 gigawatts. Seven zero? Off Lopedia, right? Um, it's within uh, 36 hours travelling time of a tug because you've got to tow these wind, wind turbines up by tug. So within that circle, there are 70. So there's enough really on a normal day to power Germany. Now, we just don't want to, you know, run a cable to Germany. What we want to do is bring the energy onshore and, you know, have industries then that will use that clean power. So, you know, data centres, chip manufacturing, green fertiliser manufacturing, sustainable aviation fuel, methanol for shipping and so on. Right. But you are saying that even if you take increased capacity, increased demand, more population in Ireland, all of that, that there would be enough here to supply electricity to the entire country on a normal day of wind and still and nine, sell it on. And nine times more. Yeah. Right, so a huge... A, I'm, so, not, I'm not often silenced <laughs> on this show, but I and, say, and, that does sound pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and there's, we'll say, that's the, we'll say, that's, we'll say, conservative estimates by industry. Now, that's not, you know, filling the whole place right, with turbines, right, that's putting them space in the well apart and so on, right? Um, if we can make, if we can get a production system up and running to make three turbines a week, right, that's about 30 years work. Okay. Owen is asking on 086 is this going to cost the taxpayer and end up shelved like many other things in the country? There is an infrastructure ask, right, because um, the, the, we'll say the, the private investment ask ultimately, right, is of the order of somewhere between 50, 80 billion, right, over a couple of decades now, right. We probably will say the, um, the Shannon Fines port uh, report launched recently that Bechtel did, right, needs about 500 million of, invest- of investment in the port, right. We also need investment then in the, na- in the national grid, right, and so on. So there are investments, right. Um, you know, we want uh, we need investment in in data cables and so on to the region, right? Right. So there is investment, but the payback is very quick, and it's you know what I mean. It's it's a certainty, right? We'll say there's a um, other countries in Europe, like we've been out in other countries and talking to people. Other countries in Europe would like take our hand off to have what we have here in terms of the wind energy. Mm. Uh, potential. Yeah, we're talking to Barry O'Sullivan, who is chair of the Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force. They've produced an interim report. What about the wider potential of the Shannon Estuary? We're so used to it. You know, I mean, we yeah, are literally yeah. beside the river where you and I are chatting this morning and yes. out 
um, onto the estuary and, and we know it's a lovely drive out the N69 and down beyond Foynes and Glen and all of that back mm-hmm. to um, Kerry. Is there still significant untapped tourism potential? We think so. Now, D. Ryan is leading a subgroup, we'll say this D. looking D. Ryan at is the, D. Ryan the chief executive of Limerick Ch- Chamber, yeah. Exactly. She's yeah, on yeah, them. Right. Um, so D is, is, is leading on that for us, right? Um, we think that we should be able to comfortably double the tourism numbers here. Right? So Limerick is a fine city, like right, right, right. Um, look at the ability, look at the opportunity to, to grow, we'll say, the sporting we'll say, um, tourism here, right? Look at the rowing in the city. Look at what we've possibly done. The history, right? Look at, look at the great work that the council have done recently and with King John's Castle, right? Uh, imagine if we brought the Arda Chalice back, if we brought Patrick Sarsfield home, if we gave, if we had, um, like the Titanic Centre in Belfast, right? If we had that in, in say, Cleves, right? If we had, you know, real big, attractions here that people would come all year round and, right and I think I think you're so right I mean it was in Belfast very recently um, and it is definitely a model mm. for Limerick's exactly. growth yeah and we have huge history to tell right we have you know we have um you know from from before we'll say before Christianity with Loch Gore, we have the time of we'll say um Christ, uh, St Patrick we've the monasteries we have all of the religious wars that were fought all around Ireland. We'll say in, this, in the you know in the siege of Limerick and so on, right? Um, the we have you know we have a huge history, and Limerick has a huge history itself as a city, right? as a as a food manufacturing hub, as an export hub. But it has a, we have wonderful stories to tell, and I think there's a huge opportunity to tell them. Okay, so this is an interim report. Mm-hmm. What's next then for your task force? What we're, what we're trying to do here and working to do here, and we agreed with the Tarnish yesterday, is we're giving him a set of actions to implement, right? But we're working at the moment with all of the government departments, we'll say, to agree and align those actions. Because what we don't want here is a report that sits on a shelf, right, and gathers dust, right? So we're giving him a set of actions, we'll say, that can be, that can be implemented and decisions that need to be taken in the next 12 to 18 months, Right. We've set a target for ourselves of the end of March to give him that report, right? Um, and we'll try and get it done by then. But we'll have a we we're working all the time um, with with all of the various departments in 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 working on the detail so that you know everybody's aligned going forward. Right. And finally, for now, Barry, we we'll certainly have you back in again because you know, this has such potential. Do you believe that our children and our grandchildren will have the opportunity to remain in this region? and be in these jobs for generations if we get it right. Absolutely. And a huge opportunity now, we'll say, with uh, to build Indigenous Irish companies in the region that can, we'll say, be multinationals ultimately. Okay. All right. Listen, great to chat to you. Have a very happy Christmas. We look forward to the next stage of this report and to talking to you and to other members of the task force about aspects uh, of it. Uh, the chair of the Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force, Barry O'Sullivan, with us. Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Joe. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.